Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are in week three of our Family is Funny series. And I can't think of a more appropriate time to remind ourselves that family is funny than as we approach the holidays. Because gathering with family, trying to figure out our kids and trying to figure out our spouse and trying to figure out in-laws and families of origin and all that during the holidays just gives us so much opportunity for growth and, and development. Am I right? You know, And I know that the holidays bring a lot of different emotions. Many of you are excited. You are elated. Like me, I, I literally still watch for Rudolph in the sky. I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving too, blah, blah, blah. But I love Christmas. And some of you, though, I realize are anxious as the holidays approach. Maybe you're nervous about when your family all gets together. I understand that. I've been there too. Some of you maybe are stressed, whether it's relational stress, family stress, financial stress. The holidays seem to bring everything to the surface, and we understand that too. Some of you may be feeling some sadness. Maybe um, the holidays remind you of a lost loved one, or it makes the tension in your marriage even more significant. We understand that too. Wherever you are today, Our prayer, my prayer, is that today there's something that you can take with you, that you can see or understand a little bit more the value of tradition, that you can see or even feel the cause for celebration, and that there's something you can implement to help you approach your holidays with a little less dread and a bit more joy. That's my prayer for you wherever you find yourself today. But first, we want to welcome in our online moms. Online moms, we are not just glad that you are with us. We want you to know that we are for you. We're with you and we are for you. Our prayer is that you remember that you may be listening or watching by yourself, but you are not alone. There's a group of moms in Austin who are with you, for you, and cheering you on. You can do it. You can enjoy Christmas. Okay, let's pray and get started. God, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, for the gift of celebrations, for the gift of holidays. You put in our calendars opportunities for us to stop and remember. We ask right now, God, as we look at how to do this best in our families, that you calm our hearts and settle our minds, that you open our eyes and our ears so that we can see and hear what you want us to learn today, so that we can be the moms you have called us to be, to raise up these kids to be who you've created them to be. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. And everybody said... Now, I do love Christmas. If you know me, you know I absolutely love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love Rudolph. I love all the reindeer. I love Santa Claus, Miss Claus. I love the nativity. I love it all. I truly believe 
in my heart of hearts that there's no such thing as too much or too soon when it comes to celebrating Christmas. I would start in July if I could. I would keep my mantle decorated all year just to remind me Christmas is coming. You know, I actually go through a little grieving on December 26th, and so I leave it up until about Valentine's, you know, because I love it that much. I understand not everybody does, and one time somebody asked me, Julie, why do you love Christmas so much? Have you always been that way? And it made me stop and think, and I started remembering my childhood. You see, I come from a long line of holiday big deal makers and Christmas celebrators. I'm not the first. I started remembering my holidays growing up. And I've got some pictures, and I just need to prepare you before this. This was not even my awkward stage. But um, I have a few pictures. Let's see, which one are we gonna show first? Let's, oh, there I am, the middle child. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister, my older sister, does Emily look like her or what? And that's my younger sister who was wearing a poncho, okay? And then let's look at another one. Let's see. Oh, there I am. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's me and my younger sister in our matching pajamas. And yeah, our nightgowns that button up to the neck. Thanks, Mom. And let's see. I think we've got one more. Here we are. This is my dad. You guys, I... <laughs> Look at my younger sister posing. It's like glamour shots. What is happening? And then um, I remember, see that popcorn on the tree? I remember stringing popcorn for the tree. And I remember when my mom had to get carpet to match our dog. Okay, (laughs) that is it. But I do, I have wonderful Christmas memories. I remember when I was little, I remember going to church on Christmas Eve and then we'd all go over to my grandmother's house where we would watch the radar on TV to see if Santa was gonna make it. You guys, every year, my dad would turn off the TV and say, girls, I just need you to be prepared. I'm not sure it's gonna work this year. There's some bad weather around Australia and I'm not every single year he would tell us, I I don't know, you just need to be ready in case he can't make it. We would wake up the next morning, you know, we would go home, go, oh, I hope it works, you know, and wake up the next morning and somehow, miraculously, Santa had overcome these odds and he was there. And then fast forward 20 years, and so at this point now, we're all married, so it took us a few years to get into the holiday rhythm where we were all on the same schedule. Now we have new traditions, and um, we each do, I have two sisters, Everybody's married, everybody has two kids, we're so symmetrical, and uh, everybody has a boy and a girl, and um, we all do Christmas Eve at our own homes, and um, Santa comes to our own homes, and then we gather at my parents' farm on Christmas Day, and um, everybody, all the grandkids race, everybody wants to be the first one to Grandy and Shuggies, and then, you know, we're all like, we can't do anything until the last family gets here, you know, and you call my parents when you enter the gate at the farm so that they know you're there. We say we're in the gate and then they come outside and they usually have like matching sweatshirts or something, you know, my uh, like lit up hat, something where they greet each family. Um, And then we go in and every year when the last family gets there, especially when our kids were a little bit younger, my dad would look at his watch and he'd go, Shuggy, I don't know. I don't think we have time to open presents today. 
We're gonna have to wait till tomorrow. And somehow, miraculously, our family overcomes the odds and we are able to open all the presents and then enjoy Grandy's spaghetti. And when I say my dad makes Christmas spaghetti, it requires like two or three pots. We're not sure what all's going on in that spaghetti, but he does, it requires, and it makes quite a mess. But that is our family tradition now. Traditions evolve and they change as life changes. But how can that be? I thought the whole purpose of a tradition was that it's the same every year. So then how is it supposed to change? Here's the deal, guys. Life changes. Marriage, children, people move. Um, People travel, your work, your job. My husband for a long time was the pastor on the staff who would preach the Sunday after Christmas, you know, whether it was on the 26th or the 27th, and that changed our holidays. But my responsibility was to do my best to work in some tradition, to work in the familiar while working on being flexible. So that's the key to tradition. It's realizing how I can make tradition work in this setting or at this time or at this stage of life or involving my in-laws or involving my family of origin or maybe we just want to you know, invite the neighbors. That's the challenge with the parenting pendulum. Sometimes we talk about like how do you keep things the same, the key to tradition, while involving new. And I think that's what I want to talk about today is how to figure that out. Because growing up, you guys, we had the same turkey, the same ambrosia, the same potato casserole, the same broccoli casserole, the same Anybody else have the green beans with the cream of mushroom soup and the crispy onions on top? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody else have the broccoli casserole that we thought was healthy and it has like two pounds of Velveeta and two uh, sleeves of Ritz crackers on top? We're like, yeah, we're going to eat our vegetables, you know. Amazing. But what was holidays to us? It was the same. It was the same every time. But then when we got married and then when we moved away, we had to figure out How can we implement, how can we work in the familiar while working on being flexible? And I think that's the challenge that we find when we talk about starting new traditions in our families. Let's look at the definition of family ritual. It's in your notes. Meg Cox, the author of um, the book on new family traditions, defines family ritual as any activity. Everybody say any. That's important to remember. Anything can be a tradition, anything. What you wear, what you eat, what you watch, where you gather, any activity you purposefully repeat together as a family that includes heightened attentiveness and something extra. Everybody say extra. Something extra that lifts it above the family ordinary ruts. Something that makes it different. It may be staying up later. It may be going to bed later. It may be waking up later. Whatever it is, I insist that my family watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And so because I insist that when I had teenagers, I had to record it. And then we would watch it a little bit later. You see, that's okay. I was working in the familiar while working on being flexible so that the whole family could be involved. Whether it's frying a turkey. Anybody fry turkey? Oh, girl, deep south. Come on now. Whether it's frying a turkey, watching the parade, or decorating the tree, what makes a tradition a tradition? The repetition, the purpose, and the people. It's the repetition, the purpose, and the people. 
The repetition, the purpose, and the people. Remember, the repetition is you're doing it, but it may have a little bit of an adaptation. Um, when I was talking to Emily about this lecture, and I said, um, Emily, uh, you know, there's some years, um, I'm trying to explain how it's important, but there's some years that you've just got to say, we can't do that. And she said, I really think you ought to say, you can do it with a twist. You don't have to toss out the entire tradition. She said, with her personality, she said, if I think I can't do it exactly as we've always done it, then I shouldn't do it at all. When the reality is, maybe you can do it just a little differently. So it's about understanding the repetition, but making room for adaptation. So the value of tradition. I don't think anyone would argue that routine helps children. I think everyone, every study shows, whether it's sociological, psychological, medical studies, whatever it is, everything shows that routine helps children, helps their development, helps them feel safe, all of those things. Well, now, if we add ritual to it, if we add tradition, it's just um, purposeful routine. So let's look. Psychologists link family ritual practices to higher achievement happiness and emotional well-being, get this, for the whole family. It's not just for the children. Actually, studies show that parents feel more effective and more competent when they are working, when they're purposeful in working in family traditions. Traditions and uh, rituals also have been linked to lower anxiety levels for both kids and parents. For both kids and parents, it's even more important when you have a tragedy, when you have some upheaval, when you have some change in the family, to remember what can we bring in that will remind us of the familiar. What familiar ritual, what familiar tradition can we work in this year? Um, <clears throat> it's hard to say, though, I think. And when I started looking at the research, the original research on rituals and the benefit of routine and ritual for children was done in the 1950s. It triggered a lot more studies. It is immature, though. I think it's, we're not yet at the point where we can say it definitely says that a family is happy and healthier. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is the family that is happy and healthy the one who has traditions, or is the family who has traditions happy and healthy? Here's the bottom line. It doesn't matter to me. I know after 30 years of ministry, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced myself. Anybody who has done it, I know there's value in family traditions. I know that it, there's value in the ties that bind. Holidays, traditions, it all brings us together. And if there's value in it, then I'm going to figure out how I can embrace the responsibility and implement it into my family. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? It doesn't really matter. It helps my family, and so I'm going to do it. Um, so we, we could go round and round about that. But you can't argue with the fact that in an unpredictable, unsettled, unstable world, familiarity and tradition and ritual makes children feel safe. There's security in familiar. And when we talk about our responsibility as moms to create a home that where a child walks in, I'm home, I'm safe, and I like it here. Look at what the holidays provide. 
it gives us a great opportunity to, no matter what has happened this year, if you have a teenager that you wanna punch in the throat every time he walks in, you know what, holidays provide, I'm not saying that's always gonna happen, I'm just saying it may on occasion. Uh, and you're like, you know what, this is the holidays. I have an opportunity to implement a tradition that means a lot to him, and I can create an environment where he walks in and feels, I'm home, I'm safe, I like it here. He knows no matter what, we're home with you, you're safe here, and we love you no matter what. I'm gonna punch you, but I love you. I love you. And the holidays offer an opportunity for that. Family rituals remind them, you're home, you're safe, and we love you here. Family traditions contribute to our children. I'm gonna list four things. Number one, they contribute to our child's identity. I'm part of something bigger than myself. This is where I come from. Whether you're adopted, whether you're a foster family, you're in there by marriage, whatever it is, these are my people. And this is what we do. We love Velveeta. You know, we, wh whatever it is, whatever. This, this is what we do. I'm part of something bigger than myself. Particularly if you have the opportunity to gather with multiple generations, this is the time to do it, guys. You think, well, I can't do it this year. Do what you can. They won't always be there. And it, you're thinking, oh, that would be so stressful. Managers, do what you can. I'm not saying, you know, sacrifice your peace for celebration. I'm saying, remember, this is an opportunity for my child to learn the value of family and the value of connecting with someone a generation or two ahead of them, um, aunts and uncles, grandparents, great-grandparents. It's a wonderful thing to tell stories, people who are no longer there. My children never met my grandfather, but they feel like they know him. When we get together, you know, we talk about Buddy. We talk about what he did. We talk about what he was like. It's important that we talk about those things. Holidays offer a wonderful opportunity for that. They give our kids an identity. They also provide security. Again, whatever happened this year, we will eat turkey and we will eat dressing, and sometimes with a side of family drama. But you know, this is what we do. We gather together no matter what. This is what we do. Santa will always come, um, if you believe. And this is what we do. There's something familiar no matter what happens. So um, in that unpredictable world, we have to remember the significance of routine and predictable. Now, I understand that if you are in a situation where there's a divorce in a family, where there is significant change, maybe someone is um, overseas for the holidays, whatever, modify Modify, work in the familiar while working on being flexible. You can do it. Open your mind. Um, security is a big deal and routine is a big deal, but I don't know if you know this, but if you need it, I can give it to you. I have Santa's email. Mm -hmm. and his personal phone number. So it was important for me that my husband was involved in Christmas morning, but my husband preaches several times on Christmas Eve and on the 23rd and sometimes the week before. So I emailed Santa and I said, um, would you be open to visiting our home on a different day so that my husband could participate? Santa, very accommodating, and so he wrote back, immediately and said, yes, I'll do what I can. And so there have been times when Santa comes to our house um, on the 22nd or on the 23rd or on the 21st or whenever works for my family because I'm not a victim 
of my husband's calling or my husband's job or my family or my family's job. I have Santa's email. So I can make it work for us. This year, Thanksgiving looks very different for us. And so we have kids coming in town on different days. You know when Thanksgiving will be? When we can all get together. It, it will make Thanksgiving. I will tape the parade and we will watch it on Friday, Saturday, Tuesday. It doesn't matter to me because I can work in the familiar. We'll still fry turkey. We'll still have those same things. We will still make Max Mom's French silk pie, which by the way, I was very resistant to when I first married because that wasn't part of my tradition. <laughs> but then I layered in those new traditions and now I can't imagine having a holiday without it. Work in the familiar while working on being flexible because it's important for your children. Community. Our children learn community. Whether you are gathering with two three or 23, it doesn't matter. It's a gathering. They're part of a whole. They, they look and see, oh, okay, this is great. Whether it is family, whether it is old friends, or maybe new friends that you're exposing to your old traditions. Think outside the box. It can be familiar and it can be new at the very same time. But it offers children an opportunity to be part of a community, a sense of a community. This is even more important as your children get older. I think we tend to, um, I am almost 50 and I'm still the kid in my family, you know. Uh, my parents have their things, but now that I have my own children. So once I got married, I'm like, okay, what's our place here? What is our, do we have our own traditions yet? Because we don't have kids yet. How does that work? So we tried to navigate family like that. Then we had Emily and we go, okay, now it's time for our own traditions to implement those. And then as your children get older, traditions take on new light. And so they're more involved in preschool than elementary. And it is fun and magical and amazing. And we, for Thanksgiving, we do all these activities around the table, blah, blah, blah. And then we start to move into preteen and teen years and we're like, they don't really like that anymore. That's when they need it most. Don't buy the lie. They, they still want to be part of that family tradition and they may roll their eyes and all that. It, it is, you are pouring into them and you are investing in that sense of community, that sense of security, that sense of identity, even when they are resistant. Don't buy the lie. And then you will continue those traditions. Does that make sense? So yes, it goes through an evolution, but don't back away. Don't back away in those preteen and teen years. Involve them in the process. Involve them as early as they can. And then lastly, affinity. Sharing an experience a meal, a holiday, it brings people closer together. Like I said, whether it is actual family, family, friends who are like family, or new neighbors, there is an affinity there. There's, a, there's, a, there's an ease. There is, do what you can to create that environment that says, we are so glad you're here. We are so glad you're here. It doesn't, perfection is not the goal, guys. Go ahead and toss that out the window, okay? Fun, it's not really. But enjoying the meal, it is the environment, it is affinity for one another. So identity, security, community, and affinity. We don't always like each other, but we always love each other. And we always gather, even when I want to rip your ear off and stuff it up your right nostril. But that is okay. Family, we all want to belong. We are all created 
with a sense of wanting to belong. And holidays, we have an opportunity to make our children feel like they belong, to make our in-laws, to make our adult parents, to make our you know, siblings, all of that, to make them feel like they belong. So much value in family tradition and family ritual. Here are a few things I wanna remind you about as you approach these holidays. Um, number one, be honest with yourself and others about your family's capacity at this stage, your financial capacity, your time, your energy. Don't overcommit. Don't sacrifice peace for celebration. Don't sacrifice joy for planning. Go, this is what we can do right now. And take the game to your parents or to your in-laws or to your siblings or to your friends and go, this is what we can do now. We'd love to be involved, but this is where we are. This is where we are financially. Don't get, you know, Christmas is not worth debt, you know. Do what you can to enjoy it and then not be dreading January bills. So it's just not worth it. Be intentional about the time of day you schedule your meal or your gathering. Be intentional about it. Think it through and go, what's the best time for everyone? And, you know, uh, sometimes if you have um, a toddler, 5 p.m. is not ideal, you know. And, and so try to work with it. Understand not everyone is going to see your perspective, and that's okay. You work in the familiar by working on being flexible. I can be flexible. Yes, this 5 o'clock is a difficult time for me, but this is what works for everybody else. So I can make it work for one day, for one holiday. And if there's tension in your family, I'm going to go ahead and suggest that you don't schedule a 10-day visit. You know, I mean, be wise. Set everybody up for a win. If someone's coming in for 10 days, that's great. You go ahead and be prayed up and, um, and have some places to go. You know, be proactive. If, if your family is one that every time there's a decision to be made, there's a lot of tension in the room, eliminate decisions. And go, here's the schedule. If anybody has an idea for a meal, go ahead and uh, let me know now because I'm going to type it out. There you go. And so eliminate those stressful um, times when you can. Be proactive. Remember, it's not just a zit cream. It's a way of life. Um, so respect your elders. Uh, a lot of times when we have our children, we tend to, which is healthy, to draw boundaries and say, this is my immediate family. This is our nuclear family. This is my responsibility now. And that is all true. Respect those grandparents and great-grandparents and go, this is my responsibility, but there's also value in gathering together. Maybe it is, hey, we'll meet at the gas station for 30 minutes. That's all I can do right now. Or, maybe, you know, work them in, though. Be respectful of their position in your family and understand their value in your child's life. So um, do what you can do. But consider, there, and here's the deal. I was 21 when I realized my mom was a human. Uh, how terrible is that? Um, but the odds are um, we look at our parents and our in-laws as like, you know, not real people. They have feelings. They, they have opinions. They uh, want to see our children. So we, we need to work with that. Consider everybody else. Here's the deal. If you're gathering with in-laws and cousins and multiple families, don't expect them to work around your baby's schedule, okay? That's okay. That's okay that they don't get it. You don't need to explain everything to them. Don't go into it thinking that they're gonna understand your perspective. You and your husband get on the same page, 
before the holiday, get on the same page and say, this is what, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here um, so that before we go into the holidays, I really am going to need your help at this time. I'm going to, uh, you know, ask for you to do this. Can you talk to your family about this? Get on the same page. Don't sit back and hope everything works out the way you want it to. Get in the game. Take the game to them and say, hey guys, I'm looking forward to the holidays. Who's making what? I just wanna go ahead and get it on my schedule. I'm gonna bring some Chick-fil-A nuggets. I hope that's good with everyone. You know, whatever, and they're reheated because I'm sure they're closed on Thursday. So, but that's okay. Whatever you can do, but take the game to them and don't, don't take offense when they don't accommodate you. If you have a young child, um, take snacks in your purse. Take, don't expect them to modify the entire family traditional menu because your kid won't eat that. Joe, at Thanksgiving, I'm pretty sure he ate turkey and ketchup. Maybe he ate some turkey. He probably just ate ketchup, you know. I, I mean, and, that he, and probably I put some Cheetos on his plate to keep him occupied. And that's okay. That was a modification for that day. He took part in the family ritual, and he wasn't going to touch any of that food. And that's okay, I didn't, that's my job to feed him. I had some peanut butter crackers in my purse for him to eat later. And so you, you, you take that into account. But be prepared, be proactive, and don't take offense. Be assertive and confident, but considerate and flexible. Assertive meaning take the game to them. Hey, I would love to have it at my house. It, you know, uh, what can I do to help? Oh, you want to have it at your house? I'm not offended by that. I'm super happy about that. My um, house will be clean when I come home. You know, so try to think of it positively and then go, what can I contribute? Not everyone, um, I think this is really important to understand the difference between routine and ritual. Not everyone sees them as the same. What is routine to me? may be ritual to someone else. You see, ritual is just routine with emotion attached to it. And so I would say, let's just change it up this year. Well, you don't know. Maybe that's offensive to someone. Or your mother-in-law or your mother or your sister changes the menu. That, that's not an offense to you. If something's important, if it's, maybe it's just routine to them, but it's ritual to you. Like, oh my gosh, we have to have French silk pie. Or what do you mean? Let me, do you see what I'm saying? So understand, I had to do this with my children. I had no idea how um, important our kitchen table centerpiece was to my children until I changed it. See, it was routine to me. I just wanted to change it. And Emily walked in, she was in high school. She goes, I'm sorry, this is not what we do on the kitchen table. I am sorry. It was ritual to her. It was routine to me. So I recognized that about Emily, and I said, oh, when you have a house, you can do that on your kitchen table. But then the next year, I knew I was going to change the mantle. So I said, okay, everybody enjoy the mantle this year. Next year, it will look different. I gave them a year. Okay. I get, guess what? It took the year for them to adjust. That's okay. That's not bad or good. That's just, we're different. Remember, we're wonderfully complex and distinctly different. So are your in-laws, so are your siblings, so, are, so is your husband. So talk about it. What's routine to you? What's ritual to me? What's routine to me that's ritual to you? Let's get on the same page. I see the value of repetition, but I make room for adaptation. I see the value of doing the same every year, but I make room for adaptation. If we're not able to do it this year, we don't just chunk it all the way out the door. We just adapt. We modify. 
And I said, this is important to me. I'm gonna have turkey and gravy. So I picked it up at a store on the way home. You know, that's okay. Adapt. It's okay to say, I can't do it this year. So how can we together adapt, involve your husband, involve your children. You know what? We laugh so hard. I love Christmas and I'm obsessive about the only organized part of my entire life is my Christmas decorations. And I told Lori Hahn the other day, I don't know if Lori is here this morning. I saw her last night and I said, every time she gave me some plates one Christmas and I go, I will all... I cannot remember what I wore yesterday, but I remember who gave me every Christmas ornament, who gave me every Christmas plate. It's so bizarre, but uh, that is something important to me. So I love Christmas decorating. Well, one year we got a tree. You know how you buy a live tree and you let the limbs fall? you know, for a good 24 hours, then you put the lights on it? Well, we waited 24 hours and the limbs didn't fall and we waited 48 and then 72 and then yes, a week went by. And we realized we got a faulty tree. <laughs> we literally had the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. We couldn't put one thing on it. It was hilarious. And so now we remember that as a funny thing. It was devastating to me at the time. I'm like, we cannot have anyone over. You know, I, and it just wasn't that big a deal. At the time, it seemed monumental, but guess what? It wasn't that big a deal. There was a time when we couldn't go anywhere Thanksgiving. We couldn't do anything, so I picked up. We literally sat on the floor of our home. Emily was a baby. I was pregnant, and so we ate turkey and dressing out of styrofoam on the floor, just the three of us, and I will always remember it. It was familiar, but it definitely was an adaptation. <laughs> You know, and that's, that's all we could do that year. There was a year when we had to tie our tree. Actually, Mac had to screw um, a screw into the wall and tie fishing line to hold our tree up. You know, we, we had to modify. Not everything goes as planned. Perfection is not the goal. Tradition is. And so we still celebrated. It was just a little bit of a modification. It's not perfection. It's celebration. And that takes on all kinds, you know, over the years. We have evolved. And again, I say... It, open your mind up to new tradition. And that's hard. That is hard if you've had the same thing every year. But I will tell you this. When I married Mac, okay, now I come from deep south, big family. So we have at least three meats on every holiday. So you got the turkey, got the ham, and whatever somebody shot, you know. Um, that, 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 that's where I come from. Thank you. I'm sorry if I offended anyone. It is, it's my roots. <laughs> and so then I marry Mac, and I go to a holiday with his family. They have, his mom makes a turkey breast because it's the three brothers and the grandparents. A turkey breast, green beans. I told my sisters, like, I felt like I needed a can of cream and mushroom soup to pour over everything, you know, or a bowl of Velve melted Velveeta to pour all over everything. And guess what, though? The first year, I was like, this is not familiar. This isn't. I'm 27 years into marriage. You know what Thanksgiving means to me now? Rosemary turkey breast, green beans, Max mom's homemade rolls, her French silk pie. I opened my heart, God changed my mind, you see? I opened my mind, God changed my heart. It was an adjustment for me. At first, I was resistant to new because I'm like, we don't do new on the holidays. We do familiar, and familiar is frozen broccoli with Ritz crackers and Velveeta, you know, and, and this. But guess what? 27 years in, the new is old to me. And, and I couldn't imagine anything else. Now, recently, the last couple of years, it's been a little bit different. And so I'm opening my mind to new. Uh, and with, again, like tradition, no, tradition's the same every year. Re repetition, but make room for adaptation. Make room for adaptation. 
<clears throat> don't sacrifice celebration. You know what I mean? Don't sacrifice peace and joy for celebration. New traditions are huge. One of the biggest challenges I think for at Christmas, and I hear this from parents a lot, is how do I make sure my kids know why we're celebrating? Um, how do I make sure they don't think it's just about Santa or just about the presents? I would say number one, model for them. Model for them your heart. Make sure they understand you're inviting people maybe to Christmas services or you're giving. You're enjoying giving as much as you're enjoying getting. Involve them in the giving. Read the Christmas story over and over again. On my birthday, I get presents. On your birthday, you get presents. On Jesus' birthday, everybody gets presents, you know. And there are ways to work it in. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we can celebrate big and still remind them of the season. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, if you study the Old Testament, you see that God commanded his people to celebrate yearly festivals and feasts. And why did he do that? Because he knew his people. He knew that we would forget. He knew we would get distracted. And so in the Old Testament, he commanded them. If you read Psalms, in Psalm 106, the psalmist records, now the Israelites, you know, God had parted the Red Sea. He had saved them from Egyptian slavery. He had done all of this. So let's read in Psalm 106. He, meaning God, saved them, the Israelites, from the hand of the foe. From the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. The Israelites believed. They knew God had saved them. They knew that God was the mighty God who had rescued them, who had redeemed them. But then, if you keep reading in Psalm 106, but they soon forgot what he had done, and they did not wait for his plan to unfold. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. God knows his people, we're his creation, so he certainly knows how our minds and our hearts work, and he knew they've got to celebrate annually or they will forget. They will forget what I have done for them. So what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to remember, to, to say, how can I make sure my kids know? How can I make sure that I know? I don't wanna be like the Israelites. I don't wanna forget what God has done for me. I wanna celebrate Christmas, so I wanna celebrate so that I can be reminded every year. Look at this. We celebrate so that we remember. Everybody say remember. remember. We remember. Guys, I forget everything. I forget where I put my keys. I forget what I wore yesterday. I forget everything. I, I, it's a weakness of mine. But I will celebrate so that I will remember. I want you to read the highlighted words in Psalm 77 with me. I'm gonna wait till it's up on the screen. I want you to read it with me. Lord, I, oh, you guys, that was such a precious effort. Okay, here we go, ready? Because I want you to be thinking, I will remember. That's why I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating so that I remember. Here we go. Lord, I will remember what you did. Yes, say it with me. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will spend time thinking about everything you have done. I will consider all of your mighty acts. That's why we celebrate. We celebrate so we never forget. We celebrate so that we remember that God saved us. We celebrate so that we remember to tell our children of God's miracles of long ago. Is Christmas a big deal? 
Yes, it is a big deal. And we celebrate so that we remember. We also celebrate so that we appreciate. Everybody knows gratitude helps your attitude. An attitude of gratitude helps everything. It actually improves you biologically. There is something that goes on in our brains and in our bodies when we are grateful, when we are appreciative. So we celebrate so that we remember and we celebrate so that we appreciate. God, I will remember your acts of long ago and I will be grateful for them. I will appreciate what you have done for me and for our family. And finally, we celebrate so that we enjoy. We celebrate so that we enjoy. Think about it. Celebrating helps us to remember. Remembering helps us to appreciate. Appreciating helps us to enjoy. Why do I put lights on my tree? I celebrate so that I remember. I remember so that I appreciate. I appreciate so that I enjoy. Uh, God said, Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, an abundant life, an overflowing life. That's my job, to remember that, to appreciate that, to say, what can I do in my home to make sure my children know that? I'm going to go all out because Jesus is born and because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And so I'm going to decorate from the front door to the back of the toilet. I have, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that we remember and that we appreciate and that we enjoy so that we see God is good. That is why we celebrate. Celebrating helps us to remember. Remembering helps us to appreciate. Appreciating helps us to enjoy. Now, you hear all the time, It's so commercial, the commercialization of Christmas. You can complain about the commercialization or you can capitalize on it. So I say we capitalize on it. I look around, I go, oh my gosh, guys, look at this. Do y'all see how crowded Target is? Everybody is celebrating Jesus. I wonder if it is so crowded. I wonder how many of these people know why they're celebrating. Guys, do y'all see all the lights on the trees? Do you know why we do lights? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I have come to shine in the darkness. Guys, did y'all see all the angel ornaments at Target they had? Did you see? Maybe y'all shop at Walmart. I don't know. Have y'all not heard of Target? Um, so, uh, but wherever it is, in, in the grocery store, the angels. Do y'all remember why we have angels on our tree? It's because it was an angel who told Mary that she was going to have a baby. It was an angel that told Joseph that that baby that Mary was going to have is God's son. We can capitalize on the commercialization. Take advantage of it. Use it to talk about it with your children. We put a star on top of our tree. Do y'all know why we put a star on top of our tree? It's in the Bible. The Bible says that the star led the shepherds to Bethlehem to find the baby Jesus. Is that amazing? That's amazing. Take advantage of what's out there. Don't complain about it. Take advantage of it. Oh my gosh, y'all, it is going to take us 45 minutes in line here at Target. This is amazing. You know why? It is because Jesus' birthday is such a big deal. Okay, so we are going to celebrate. Can you give me a slushie? You know, so send your kids over there to get you some popcorn and a slushie and enjoy standing in line because we are celebrating. It is our opportunity. I believe it is our responsibility to implement celebration into our home, to implement tradition into our home, to say what is an important ritual to us? What is something that I can do this week 
Oh, this week, I'm going to do today. What is something that I can do to remind my children of why we celebrate? We celebrate so we remember, we remember so we appreciate, we appreciate so that we enjoy. I have to keep that in my forefront because if I'm not careful, then I can get all wrapped up seeking perfection and I miss the celebration. When perfection is your goal, you miss the celebration. And so I have to remember, I see value in the repetition. I know there's value in doing the familiar. I see value in the repetition, but I make room for adaptation. I'm willing to make adjustments. I may change the day. I may change the time. I may change something on the menu, but I'll give everybody a heads up if I do. And that's okay. That's okay. I see the value of repetition, but I make room for adaptation. I'm always working in familiarity while working on flexibility. That's my responsibility. It's my privilege. That's what we get to do as moms. We set the tone. Involve your husband. Involve your in-laws. What's something that was a ritual to you growing up? I asked my husband that. What's something that's important to your mom? I would love to work that into our family because it teaches our children a sense of community, a sense of belonging. Let's work together wherever you find yourself today. My prayer is that you have caught on to what you can do to create an environment of celebration in your family. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this responsibility of parenting. Sometimes challenging, always changing, but always worth it. We ask right now, God, that you put in the forefront of our brains the purpose of the celebration, the purpose of tradition. Help us see how we can implement familiar while remaining flexible. Use us in our homes to deliver your truth. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.